Welcome back to Time Limit. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. If you are, do us a favor and rate the show on your favorite podcasting network. Or if you have comments or suggestions, reach out to me directly at brett at teamgant.com. All right, enough of the self-promotion that's now out of the way. And I'm excited for you to hear about this conversation about freelance project management with my friend, Patrice Embry. This is a topic that seems to be getting a lot of traction. And I'm not sure if it's because self-employment and flexibility is something that appeals to project managers, or if it's because more organizations are just looking for freelance project managers. I personally had the privilege to do some freelance and consulting work a couple years back. And I have to say, it's fun and flexible, but it definitely comes with plenty of challenges. And in this conversation, Patrice shares her point of view on how to set up your own business and sell your role, how to handle challenges that come with the territory, and most of all, how to do a great job as a freelance project manager. Check it out. All right. So I'm so excited to get our conversation started today. Welcome to Patrice Embry. Patrice, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Doing really great. Thanks so much. And thank you for joining me today to talk about a topic that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in hearing more about from you, and that's freelance project management. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this conversation because, as you know, Patrice, I've had my own kind of little stint as an independent consultant and did some freelance PM as well. So should we kick it off? Sure. All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit to get started just about what led you to your decision to go out on your own and become a freelance PM? The biggest thing for me was that I was working for some agencies where I didn't feel like the project management team was being treated as well as they should be, um, mostly overloaded with work, uh, having too many things to do, too many things equals something doesn't get done as well as it could be. And I know for myself that I had a limit to the amount of work that I felt like I could handle. Um, And inevitably in agencies, they wind up sort of dumping a little bit more onto you until they add someone else to the team. So I figured a good way for me to be able to handle my own workload and to be the master of the amount of work that I do was to become a freelancer. Yeah. That makes sense. I think for me, um, I was kind of in a, in a sort of similar situation. I think the agency setting can be tough. You know, like you definitely get dumped a, a lot of work at times and then not a lot of work at other times. But, you know, for me, um, I made a decision to do it and I gave three months notice and used that time to kind of get myself set up and figure out what I was going to do and how I was going to make that transition. Um, I'm wondering how did you do that? Like, do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking about making that transition in, into freelance? Um, I wouldn't recommend the way that I did it um, because I got fired from a job. Ah. <laughs> and that's I was like, you know what? I'm going to start looking at, at my own stuff. It was like a mutual parting of ways, but it really was a wake up call for me to, to realize that I needed to take care of myself and that the person who was going to be looking out for me was me. So I was looking for more full-time jobs, but at the same time, I was trying to figure out if I could make a go of freelancing. And uh, it happened to be that I found freelancing gigs before I found a full-time gig and that's sort of how I started. I wouldn't recommend that to other people. Um, (laughs) uh, The other thing that I have going for me is that I 
Um, I have a partner, uh, a, a husband who is also bringing in money. Uh, so I'm lucky in the sense that I wasn't the sole breadwinner. Uh, so I was able to, you know, have the luxury of building up a client base. I know a lot of people sort of try to get that while they're, um, while they're working a full-time job, try to get some side jobs until they feel like they can make the, the switch. But uh, for me, it, it was kind of sink or swim. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think a lot of people end up in that situation. It's always, interestingly, easier to find some freelance work when you're in that situation than it is to go through se- several rounds of interviews. I think the interesting thing that I heard when I was kind of thinking about it, and I was interviewing around as well, but... Um, I heard people say, like, you've got to have three months of your salary saved up before you make a transition to go on your own just to have a safety net. You have to be really aware of taxes, that kind of stuff that I definitely ended up researching. I did not have three months of salary saved up. I just kind of winged it, did save up a little bit of money. But it's not an it's not an easy transition to make. I think the other thing that I was thinking about was, well, what are the kinds of things that I actually want to do in that role? Um, and I'm curious about in, in your role, like what kinds of services do you offer? Um, I do project management consulting where I'm talking to people about how to structure their project management teams and um, how resourcing works and best practices. Um, but I'm also actually doing project work too, where I'll be managing a project or two for a client or sometimes some support services. Uh, so I'm, helping people to understand how project management works and how to implement it in their own companies at the same time as I'm doing project work, which is good because I want to make sure that I'm constantly still doing project work so that the, the knowledge I give on the consulting side is still relevant. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Like actually being involved in projects helps you to continue to learn and be a good PM. Um, so I'm curious, so I know that you work from home. Um, do you ever go on site to clients? Are your clients all over the place? Like what, what is that, um, situation with your clients? Um, I'm almost never on site. Uh, although I do have a client right now that's in Washington, DC and I'm outside of Philadelphia. So it wasn't hard to make a trip down there to spend a couple of days doing some workshops, uh, generally. Um, I'm usually joining everything from my home office. Um, and that's fine because a lot of the places that are open to freelance project managers are open to freelance anything. Uh, and that usually means that they're willing to, um, have either all remote or a good portion of remote folks, um, because they realize that in order to get the best work, uh, people to do the work that you want to do. You can't just look in in your backyard. Sometimes you need to broaden your search. So I'm, you know, uh, right now, I think I'm doing mostly domestic United States um, work with, with everyone from all different time zones, but within the United States, but I've worked globally where I've had to make sure that I was on the right call with Belgium and Singapore and France and, you know, all, all kinds of places. Uh, so, but right now I, I, I kind of have it, you know, cold down to just the United States. That's nice. Um, I imagine as a remote PM, um, it's really important to get to know people and how those people work, the people on your teams, which I think can be tough even as a full-time employee in-house. So how do you typically get onboarded to a new project 
with a new team and make sure that you feel confident as the PM supporting those people and supporting the direction of the project? So I think those are two separate things. Um, getting onboarded to a project, um, which is something that I can't do myself, is not something that's completely under my own jurisdiction. Right. Um, I have to rely on someone else to do that. But the getting to know everyone on the team is something that's completely um, in my control, uh, which is really helpful for me because people do a, sometimes a pretty uh, terrible job of onboarding people, especially freelancers, when they don't feel like they want to invest too much time and effort into someone who's not a full-time employee. But getting to know the rest of the team, I'm a pretty outgoing introvert. Uh, so I do really well on chat. Uh, so I'm good on Slack. I can ask lots of good questions and, um, I like to make jokes and I like to find out about the people I'm working with and remember what they say so that later on I can say like, how was that thing that you did, you know, two weeks ago? How did that work out? And I'm pretty good at that part of it. I think way better than if I were in person. Uh, so that actually works out really well for me. Um, but the onboarding to the project is a, a whole separate thing. But I, I feel like I have the getting to know the team part pretty well down because I've worked with so many people and so many projects and so many agencies at this point. That's awesome. I, and I think it's really interesting that you look at it in two ways because I, I actually really agree with you. Like the onboarding, like you said, you have no control over but you do have control over building relationships and getting to know people. I'm curious about kind of like a connected question here. Like how do you adapt to a team or a company's way of working uh, when it's on a project by project basis and you're kind of coming in as a freelancer? Yeah, that's probably the, the, the biggest part about trying to figure out if you can do freelancing um, beyond making sure you have money set aside and understanding tax rules and that, that part of it. I think that's the single hardest thing to do because people aren't really sure about how to handle you. Um, they're, they know that you're fairly temporary or at least not a hundred percent part of the team. So they're not always sure about what to share with you. Um, so there's, peers and people on the team uh, that you have to kind of explain, this is how you work with me. This is what I expect. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I need you to do in order for me to do that. Um, so uh, there's there's that part of it. And then there's the, the manager, uh, you know, whoever you're reporting into or um, upper management or you know, tech leads or whatever. And they need to understand how to work with you too. I think a lot of times the person who's made the decision to bring someone in as a freelancer is not always the day-to-day person that works with the project manager. And for right. me, I've, I've experienced that. And that just means that there's some gap that I have to bridge between the rationale for the person who brought me on and working with the person I'm working with day-to-day. That can be tricky. Right. Aside from the fact that there is a project and probably some bare bones, at least level of process that people are used to kind of running on any project, regardless of who the PM is. Um, I think what's kind of interesting there is that in in my experience, and I've hired a bunch of PMs, um, it takes a project manager a good like six to nine months to feel totally confident and hitting their stride in a new role. 
And so when you put yourself into that situation as a freelancer, it's like you're putting the pedal to the metal and you're just doing everything that you can to establish yourself, establish your position and your role, to get to know people, to get to understand the project and the clients or stakeholders. How long do you feel like that usually takes you when you're freelance PM? Well, the expectation for a freelance PM is they're going to do it almost immediately. Um, I think that's one of the things that people uh, think is going to happen that doesn't actually happen. So if if we were able to do a a public service announcement to anyone who was thinking about hiring a freelancer, we might say to them, remember that, you know, you're just because you're hiring a freelancer doesn't mean that they're going to know exactly what to do as soon as you bring them on board. Um, There is a ramp up time. It has to be shorter. Like you say, six months, nine months, a year until someone really hits their stride in a, in a regular uh, employee employer relationship. And then there's this, Um, you don't have the luxury of doing that. So yes, pedal to the metal for sure. What I do is I try to remind myself that two things, one, that I am still trying to figure it out. And if the person who brought me on doesn't understand that, then they're, it's not that I'm not right for them. It's freelancing's not right for them. So don't take it personally. And the other part is if it doesn't work out, I can always end the contract. It's so much easier than quitting a job. And that's part of the reason why I got into freelancing, just to know that I'm in control of that and I can end it if it's not working well for me is enough usually for me to be able to handle the rough part. So yeah. I just keep those things in mind and just kind of keep going. And you do, you have to, you have to do it as quickly as possible. I, I'm always saying, I'm trying to get up to speed on this, or I have a few more questions about this. And I, I just have to, I have to continually ask people to, to give me information and, and, you know, say, I think it's supposed to work like this. Can you tell me if that's right? So it's a lot of putting yourself out there and knowing that people might raise eyebrows that you don't have the answers yet, but you just have to be confident with yourself that it's yeah. okay. I love the PSA, like you're, you're hiring a PM, not a wizard, right? Like we can do a lot when we're really good and we're really experienced. We can do a lot with what we've got, but you've got to give people time to actually figure things out and and do a good job. So part of that again is like, I'm, I'm kind of like building on that first question, but I have to imagine you end up using a number of project management tools. Like yes. between planning and communications and resourcing and estimating, how do you manage that? Do you, do you have a sense for like how many it is that you're using day to day? It's pretty crazy. Almost everyone that I work with is using some form of Google something. So okay. usually Gmail um, and I have, you know, multiple Chrome instances and identities uh, for Google and then there's Slack. Um, and I do basically work within any tool that someone tells me that they're using. So at one point I was working with Jira and Trello and Asana. Um, now I'm working with more Asana and Zen Hub and Zen. There, there are, there's a million different things. The nice thing is that I get exposed to lots of different projects, you know, project management software. So that if I were to go back to the, the world of being a full-time employee, I could probably either pick up or consult on the best things to, to use. Um, so I know a lot of the pros and cons, so that's helpful. Um, one thing that I do is I have complete and separate Chrome instances for every client that I have. So I might have five or six different um, 
Chrome windows open that have, you know, links out to um, that company's information and tools. Um, and each of them has a different, I use a different profile picture for every single one of them. I use a different color scheme for every single one of them so that I can look right away and, and realize that I'm, I'm in one place and not the other. So it's a lot of organization on my part and making sure that I'm not, you know, crossing streams anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. That would be probably the worst thing you could probably do, but the multiple <laughs> Chrome instances absolutely make sense. I want to get back to the team a little bit, you know, like a big thing that I hear from PMs from basically every industry is that motivating team members and keeping people accountable to a project is a big challenge. Um, And I have to imagine that's a challenge that you face as a freelance PM. And I'm curious first, if you do, and if, if you actually do manage that kind of challenge, like what do you actually do to kind of overcome it or help people out? I actually think this is one place where a freelancer has the upper hand um, because, of course, I want to motivate people and I want to make sure that they're doing their best work. But if there's a few sticklers who just aren't going to, I only usually have to deal with them for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I need to like work on them and work on them and get them to be part of the team and to recognize what's going on and get on board with everything. I can say, oh, that's not going to happen with this person and move on. Um, Where when I was a full-time employee, I would be really worried about that and kind of stressing over it. Like, how do I get this person to, you know, kind of join the team really? Uh, Now I don't always have to do that. So I do my best to get everyone to do what they're supposed to do, but I'm only really worried about the bare minimum of work that they have to do to get something done correctly. Hmm. So uh, it's a little less pressure for me than it would be for a full-time employee. Do you, would you say that you would lean on management a little bit more in that instance too? Like I, I imagine in, in like the in-person scenario, you'd be trying to talk to that person, you know, you'd probably be reaching out to them via IM or Slack, and then you'd probably try to stop by their desk and you try to do everything you can to understand what's going on. But in a remote scenario where you really don't know the team that well, it's easier to just reach out to someone or someone's boss and just say, Hey, this person's not responding. Can you check in on it for me? Cause I'm not hearing anything. And it's just like, and ends that problem. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially since you know that even if there are repercussions and that person gets annoyed at you for having gone over their head, you're not going to be there forever. So, right. you right. know, it, the stakes are a lot lower to, to do that where you'd have to really tread lightly if you were a full-time employee. Yes. I can say, listen, uh, there's a couple red flags that I see with this project. There's this, there's this, and so-and-so isn't communicating or right. doing the amount of work that they said they're going to do. And everything that I've tried to do is not making that happen. So here's the red flags. Here's what I plan to do about them. And I need your help with these three things. So yep. That is a lot easier. I love that. So are there any other challenges that you've faced that you'd want to tell people who are hiring freelance PMs or even people who are looking into becoming freelance project managers? I would say that for people looking to hire freelance project managers, you really do need to pay attention to onboarding. You're not going to do the same amount of onboarding as if you were bringing on a full-time employee, but that doesn't mean that you do no onboarding. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you don't try to introduce your new person to the rest of the team, even if you're not going to be working with everybody. Um, And then the flip side to that is someone who is, looking into becoming a freelancer, 
insisting on onboarding, insisting on that and setting the expectations when you start in the proposal phase with someone or they reach out to you and say that they need your help or are you looking for work, that you start right away and talking about what it is that you need and onboarding should be part of it. Uh, onboarding, knowing the minimum amount of information that you need to feel comfortable to ask the next right questions is what you have to figure out for yourself as a freelancer because Odds are that the people who are hiring you won't be doing that. So you really need to advocate for yourself. Yeah, that's so empowering. I feel like the way that you're talking about freelance PM is, you know, if I liken it to a full-time role, like often we'll defer to other people, whether those be team members or managers, executives, clients, whoever, like we end up being the person who's serving the project and kind of deferring to other people. But the way that you're describing freelance PM is like, you kind of have to step it up a little bit. You have to set and manage expectations pretty firmly, and you have to stick to those to get what you need and what you want to actually do your job well. Absolutely. I'm a small business owner, yep. and my product is me. Um, you know, So I have to make sure that I'm doing that, which is so crazy because it's completely against my nature. When I was a <laughs> full-time employee, I really didn't advocate for myself, as is evidenced by the fact that I got fired. I shouldn't have let myself get to the point where that was, you know, something that was even on the table. I didn't advocate for myself enough um, right. in that situation. So, yeah, I, I'm, you know, it, it does go against my nature, but I need to bring the money in. <laughs> you right. know, it's very different when the answers you give and the work that you do and the things that you take on literally determine whether or not you're going to be able to go on vacation or pay the electric bill or, you know, any number of things like how your family is going to be able to have, a, you know, live their lives is dependent on how you take care of this business of yours. And so I feel like that's something that's a big motivator, even for someone like me, who was a little bit on the like meek side mm -hmm. in the past, I kind of have to take the bull by the horn. I love that. Um, so tell me, like, what do you really love about your job and, and running your business? Um, one thing is that I can pick up my daughter from school at three o'clock if I need to, without having to ask anyone or tell anyone, I just need to let people know that I'm not at my desk and I need to just not schedule myself into something. That kind of flexibility is fantastic. Not having to worry about the amount of time that I have for paid time off is huge. It's one of the things that would stop me from becoming a full-time employee somewhere else is the fact that, you know, and it's not like I take a ton of time off. And even when I do, a lot of times I'm kind of, you know, I need to book some hours. So I'm trying to get a little bit of work done. But just the idea that there's not some number that I start with that counts down as the year goes on is, is really something that I, I love about doing freelance. Um, and again, being able to say who I'm working with and deciding on my terms, whether or not I don't want to work with someone again, or I want to cut something short um, based on my own integrity and what I need. Um, those are great. Also being able to sort of pick and choose the types of projects that I want to do. And there's a project that comes along where I'm like, this is a little uh, not quite what I stand for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I can pass it up. I'm actually working with a lot of nonprofits right now that align with my values. And so that part is also really, really fulfilling for me as a, as a freelancer. That's awesome. 
I think um, if you're okay with this kind of like personal line of questioning, I have a, a couple more. Um, sure. The first is like, how are you keeping up with what's happening within project management, whether that be like digital project management or traditional and technology and other areas? I'm just, I'm curious to know if you do any kind of personal continuing ed. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do extensive writing for different, you know, project management focused websites. Um, I keep myself really involved in the network of project managers that I've found in different Slack channels. I keep up with other freelancers and peers um, to kind of know what they're doing. There's a local meetup in Philadelphia that you <laughs> help run, Brett. <laughs> and that's also instrumental for me to even see exactly right in my backyard what people are doing. Uh, so that is a big part of it. But again, I'm a business and I look at that as a cost of doing business. It's part of how I structure uh, you know, the work that I'm going to do and how much work I can do. I factor that into it. I need to do writing. I need someone to constantly be asking me questions so that I'm, I'm up on what I, uh, you know, what I think and what I do and what I know and who I'm talking to. So it's a big part. It's a big, big part of what I do. Yeah. Do you think that that helps you to find new projects or new opportunities as well? Oh, totally. I, I keep myself as top of mind as possible to the people who have, uh, you know, asked me questions. And honestly, even when people just, you know, I'm new to project management and, you know, no one answers that person's question. I will be the one who will immediately like swoop in. You just never know where your next lead is going to come from. I've gotten gigs from people who are like super junior and just started in a place, but they knew my name and they said something to someone else who was like, oh, I can vouch for this person and roundabout ways I've gotten work from those people. So it's really important for me to not think of like, uh, this person can't help me in any way. It's, it's more like it, the more people I help, the more people know my name and the more people who know my name can pass that along to the people who could actually help me make money. So um, I'm definitely into the networking. Being a kind human works. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I hate as I was saying, I kind of felt bad. I was like, oh, my God, it sounds like I'm only being nice to people because they might get me something. Nah. And it's not entirely that way. but, but it's No, just it's not that way. <laughs> but what are the other ways that you kind of market yourself or get your name out there? Um, I try as much as I'm super branded. Like I, I try really hard to make sure that, you know, everything that I do is on brand. Um, as someone else who is totally branded, I'm sure you can you can uh, – you can sure. relate, but like, I try to make sure that my message is consistent across anywhere where I do wind up talking to people. Um, I have business cards. Um, I have, you know, my invoices, uh, everything that my proposals, everything that I do, um, is a brand. And so when I think about how I'm going to answer questions or who I'm going to talk to, I really stick to that, the brand guidelines I've given to myself. And I think that helps me to make sure that my message is consistent. And so whenever I can have a chance to get that message out there, I never have to worry about whether or not people are going to understand what it is that I do, because I'm so well versed in what I do. I can kind of just walk in somewhere and say like, this is what I could provide you. And here's everything that I do. And here's what I stand for. So I think that that's really helped me out a lot. That's super smart. I think it's it's very important just to know, like you said, know what you do and what you can provide. I think for me early on, that was a little bit of a challenge because I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
Um, but I think if you have the confidence to say, these are the things that I can do for you, and if it's X, Y, and Z instead of A through Z, that's probably even better because you can position yourself in a very specific way. might not work for every contract, but like you alluded to earlier, you get to turn things down that you don't want to do. Um, so I think that's really important. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. So, all right. So last question. As you know, the podcast is called Time Limit, so kind of giving a nod to the fact that we're all strapped for time, and I'm sure that as a freelance PM or business owner, um, you are also strapped for time. So do you have any tips for how you run your own business and manage your own client work at the same time? Like, What are the things that you do to keep yourself organized? That's a really good question because I think it's something that I still struggle with, even though I feel like I'm doing moderately well at, at, at the job that I'm doing. I really have to stick to my schedule. And I have a master calendar that I keep everything on. I put everything on there. I, I, I have to be able to see something in order for me to be able to keep it on my radar and do what I'm supposed to be doing in the time that I need to be doing it. So for me, it's visually being able to see everything that I'm supposed to do. So my biggest tip would be make sure that you have everything out on the table so that you can make really good decisions about how you're supposed to be using your time. And you can kind of see what's taking up time that you would rather be doing for something else. Laying it all out on the table, I think is the best first step for that. Awesome. Well, Patrice, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm sure that I'll see you at DPM Philly soon or at the Digital PM Summit. And I can't wait. But thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Sure. No problem. It was a pleasure. Have a good one. Thanks. All right. That's all we have for this episode of Time Limit. Thanks again for listening. I hope this episode was helpful either if you're looking to get into freelance PM or you want to hire a freelance PM. I can confidently recommend Patrice if you are. And if you're looking for more resources on just project management, check out teamgant.com, where we offer free classes, templates, and resources in addition to our popular and really easy to use project planning and management tool. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes and check out our show notes for more information about Patrice. Thank you. Thank you.